And you may be seated this morning. Also want to dismiss our children downstairs. Trust they'll have an enjoyable time today on this Resurrection Sunday together. Easter, or Resurrection Sunday, is a unique moment in the life of the church. It's a different kind of day for us, isn't it? I mean, maybe you're feeling it right now. I feel the energy. Feel the momentum. Right? There's, a, there's a weight. There's a, there's a different feel to what's going on. There's, a, there's an energy that comes with a day like this. But I'm going to tell you that one thing that I've always noticed about Easter or Resurrection Sunday that makes it stand out. Are you ready? It's cute. It's a cute holiday, isn't it? I mean, look at you guys. Really, like, look around. It's cute. We got pastel colors on. It's like, what is happening? Right? We have flowers up here. Aren't these flowers cute? cute. They're cute. Look at the dresses, right? Even the, even the dudes with the bow ties. I mean, everybody just looks a little better today. Everyone looks cute. But please, rather than start this message by being cute. I would like to be clear, crystal clear, about what we are celebrating today and what we are proclaiming. We are here today to celebrate and proclaim this truth, that the Jesus that was crucified is alive. And we shall see in the passage that we are going to take a look at today that the resurrection of Jesus is a historical event that is evidenced by credible witnesses despite attempts to deny it, to minimize it, and suppress it. We're going to see today that the resurrection of Jesus is the, is an event of incomparable significance. And that this incomparable event calls us, each and every one of us in this room, to a very simple response. And beyond that, for those who respond simply and appropriately, this event, this truth, provides for us an eternal hope. Amen? Is there anybody here today in the midst of the noise, in the midst of the despair of our world that could use good news? Good news that we can trust. Good news on which we can build our lives and place our hope in today. Is there anybody here today that needs to hear that? Me too. I want to invite Evan Crocker. He's going to come forward and read our scripture passage this morning.
The text this morning comes from the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew, beginning with the 28th chapter, the first verse. This is the word of the Lord. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there is a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, uh, see I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep and if this comes to the governor's ears we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble so they took the money and did as they were directed and the story has been spread among the jews to this day amen and amen let's pray together father god we come to you in jesus name and we ask that your spirit would be at work. Open our eyes, open our ears to see and hear the truth that you are revealing to us today. Strengthen us. Give us good news from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Based on what the women saw and heard the last couple days in this story, they expected to simply see a sealed and guarded tomb. But as we understand, the, woman, the women saw something they least expected. We're told in verse 2, Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. These women, approaching the tomb, saw a heavenly angel. They were greeted with this earthquake. Now, understand, they had just experienced an earthquake a couple days prior. That earthquake came as a result of Jesus' death. But this earthquake was different. This earthquake occurred because an angel descended from heaven, rolled the stone away from the tomb, and sat on it. And we're told that like other angelic appearances in the scriptures, that the angel's appearance was like lightning, and that his clothing was as white as snow, all of which points to the glory and the purity of this heavenly uh, angelic being. The presence of the angel causes the guards to fall down. The text tells us that they fell as though they were dead. Some people say they simply passed out. Whatever the case may be, when that angel descended from heaven, 
they could not physically handle the kind of glory that they were seeing and that was before their eyes. These women unexpectedly saw a heavenly angel. The second thing that they see or that, that happens to them is they, they hear a hopeful announcement. Listen to what they tell. The women, he, he tells the women, do not be afraid. My arrival is not a cause for fear. Do not be afraid. Those reassuring words from the angel. My arrival is not a cause for fear. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not talking about some other Jesus. right? There were, Jesus was a common name at this time. We want to be very clear about the Jesus that we're talking about here. We're talking about the same Jesus that was crucified. The Jesus who was crucified, we're told, he is not here. Could you imagine hearing those words? He's not here. Well, where is he? Where did they take him? Where is he gone? Did the religious leaders take him? Where is he? No, it's not because someone came and stole his body. He is not here, the angel tells her, because he has risen just as he said. The reason that Jesus is not here is because he has risen just as he said. Could you imagine hearing those words? Unexpected words. Do you remember? Do you remember Mary number one and Mary number two? Do you remember that he told you that this was going to happen? On at least three occasions, he said, I will go to Jerusalem, I will suffer, I will die. And on the third day, I will rise again from the dead. Jesus is not here. Why? Because he has risen just as he said. Do not miss that. Again, we want to be crystal clear today. What we are here to know and to celebrate and to embrace together is the fact that Jesus is alive, just as he said. Amen? They heard the most hopeful announcement that anyone could ever hear. Not only that, the angel invites her. Verse 6, come, see the place where he lay. They didn't just hear a hopeful announcement. They were encouraged and invited to come and open their eyes and see that he was physically not present. The tomb, in fact, was empty. They saw an angel. They heard a hopeful announcement. And now we see that their eyes look and see and behold the unthinkable reality that the tomb is empty. And Jesus is not there. The angel says, hey, go and tell the disciples that Jesus is not dead but alive. And so in fear and in joy, they go. And just as if they had not seen enough, we're told in verses 9 and 10 that behold, Jesus met them. Jesus met them. 
And he said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. There it is again. My presence is not a cause for fear for you, Mary and Mary. It's not a cause for fear. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. On the way to meet the disciples, these women see the risen Jesus. Do you think they expected to see him when they approached the tomb that morning? That morning? They would have never expected that. And yet there he is. He's alive. He's well. And their eyes physically see that he is alive. And what do they do? Upon seeing him and hearing his voice that greets them, they worship. They worship. What would you do? How would you respond if you found yourself in the presence of the risen Jesus who greets you with his comforting words, do not fear? You'd worship. We're told they grab a hold of his feet. And scholars say that that was the posture of a citizen that came to honor their king. They worship Jesus as their king. They grab a hold of his feet and they show their devotion and their faith in him. You see, these women continue to bear witness to all that has taken place. They continue to be faithful. They continue to show their devotion to Jesus and they do so at this time by coming and laying down at his feet, grabbing a hold of his feet, and they worship him. They lie in awe of the risen Jesus. This is a visible example of what life becomes for the person who comes to know and to experience and to trust Jesus as king. That person worships, worships. Again, he says, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. They will see me. The women have seen the risen Jesus. But what, he, what Jesus says to the women is amazing to me. You think about the power and the glory and the beauty that is on display in the resurrection of the king. But lest we forget, Jesus is infinitely merciful. Don't miss the grace of the identification of what Jesus calls his disciples. These disciples had abandoned Jesus. They were scared out of their minds. They ran for their lives. They hid. They were cowards. They had betrayed and abandoned Jesus. And in his power, and in his victory, and in his resurrection, and in this sweet greeting to these women, he says, go tell my brothers. 
failed him, they have. But as far as Jesus is concerned, they're still his family. Amen? Failed him, you may have. But if you know and you trust Jesus, he has come into relationship with you, you've come into relationship with him, failed him, you may have. But the risen Christ is still merciful. He's still gracious. He still knows who you are. You're in his family. Amen? Amen. They see an angel. They hear a hopeful announcement. They see an empty tomb. They see Jesus himself in these two women become credible witnesses to a historical event. That's what this is. This resurrection of Jesus. It's a historical event that is evidenced by credible witnesses. And as they go, the guards come to their senses, right? They're not sure what to do. They're trying to make sense of what's going on. And they go back and they come to the religious leaders. They come to the chief priests. They tell them all that has taken place. And they come together. They assemble. This is what happened. What are we going to do about it? And because the chief priests and the religious leaders have spent their life denying, doubting, suppressing, and rejecting Jesus, even now they continue to do the same. They continue to deny and suppress and reject and scheme and devise plans to suppress and silence the truth about what has taken place. And so what do they do? They turn to their old ways. The same way they used with Judas. And they bribed the soldiers and they tell them, here's some money. We'll give it to you. If you tell people that the disciples came by night and stole him away while they were asleep. The disciples came by night and stole them while, they, while you were asleep. Interesting. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Right? The scaredy cat disciples. The disciples that ran for their lives. The disciples that hid wherever they could. The disciples that abandoned Jesus in the moment of his death. Those disciples conjured up a ton of courage all of a sudden. You know, they, they drank a spiritual Red Bull. They got all fired up. They did some push-ups. Right? They listened to some music that fired them up. And said, hey, I got an idea, guys. I'm feeling courageous. I don't know about you. I know what we'll do. We'll all of a sudden develop some ninja skills and go SEAL Team 6 on the most powerful, well-trained Roman soldiers that there are. And while they're sleeping, we'll roll away the tomb quietly. And we'll take the body we'll hide it and then we'll lie yeah yeah don't tell them that while you were sleeping you saw them take the body raise your hand I know some of you maybe you are you know seal trained you can actually see things while you're sleeping 
friends, this is absurd. It's a farce. But you understand when Jesus is a threat, when Jesus is a threat to the life that you want, that you must maintain, you have to gain control of the narrative. You have to spread lies. You have to pay off soldiers to suppress the truth because if it were true, it would change everything. They used treachery to lay hold of him. They used illegality to try him. They used slander to charge him before Pilate. And now they were using bribery to silence the truth about him. That's William Barclay. While some may reject and suppress the truth, the resurrection of Jesus is a historical event seen and heard by credible witnesses. Friends, here's a credible truth. Jesus is alive. Amen? That truth, that Jesus is alive, is a credible truth that has incomparable significance. Don't miss it this morning. Because some of us may even hear that and say, who cares? Why does it matter if Jesus is alive? What difference does it make for me and for humanity? Who cares? I'm here to explain that this truth, as credible as it is, is a truth of incomparable significance. Because if Jesus is alive, it means this, that Jesus is all that he proclaimed to be. He is Savior. He is King. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If Jesus is alive, then he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way that you can know and approach the Father. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. If he's alive, guess what? He is the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, as the Son of Man... I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom payment for many. If Jesus is alive, guess what? His death was a ransom payment for many. You see, what's happening here is that in his resurrection, the Father is giving his stamp of approval. Jesus is the Savior King. He is all that he claimed to be. Make no mistake about it. If Jesus is alive, this means that his death paid the penalty for sin. Amen? That's what it means. It means that the Father has vindicated his death as effective and sufficient. The Father has accepted his sacrifice. A once-for-all payment like Hebrews talks about. His death paid the penalty for our sins. Amen? If Jesus is alive, 
This means that he has conquered definitively every one of his enemies. Satan is defeated. Sin is defeated. Death is defeated. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Amen? Is there anything more significant than those three things? These are ultimate realities. These, this resurrection carries ultimate significance. Yeah, you may say, eh, how does that really affect my Monday through Friday, my nine to five? Like, does that really help me get a promotion? Like, these are the things on my mind. You know, does it help me manage my life? Does it help me drop a few pounds? All the things that dictate and drive are what we're thinking about all the time, these immediate pressing realities. But see, that's why we're here. We're here to declare to you the ultimate reality that has ultimate significance. The things that all those, those pressing matters can distract you from to tell you that Jesus is truly God. He is Savior and King. That His death has paid the penalty for sin and that Satan, sin, and death are forevermore defeated. But here's the wonderful truth as well. That if Jesus' death carries significance over ultimate realities, if God has the power to defeat death, if God's power has the ability to deal with those ultimate realities, guess what? The power of God is more than sufficient to deal with the pressing immediate concerns that are on your mind all the time. You can look to God as all-powerful and know that He cares about ultimate things and the resurrection shows that He cares and will, will pastor you and shepherd you through some of the most pressing, immediate concerns of your life. There is not one concern that the resurrection of Jesus does not in some way, shape, or form address. It should give you boldness and confidence and, of course, hope to face. Amen? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's some sin in your life that you struggle with. Maybe it's uh, something at work. Maybe it's a disappointment. Maybe it's a sorrow that you cannot shake. Maybe it's a warped sense of identity. Maybe there's lies that you continue to believe that shape the way you think and feel. Whatever those things are, the resurrection of Jesus has and will ultimately put all these horrible things to a end. Jesus is alive. Amen? It's incredible truth of incomparable significance that calls all of us here to a simple response. You say, what do I got to do to know this? What do I got to do to receive this? What do I got to do to experience the joy of this? What do I got to do? You see, we want to do something to deal with sin. We want to do something to, uh, to gain approval from God. We want to work. What do I got to do? The answer is absolutely nothing. That's the good news about Jesus. He did it all in his death and resurrection. He did it. 
but it is not automatically applied to us. The peace and the joy and the hope, all the significance of what I've just said is not automatically applied to every person. You must respond in a particular way for that to be applied. And this simple response is this, personal trust. Personal trust. I didn't use believe for a reason because a lot of us simply believe that something is true. Believe that it happened. We give assent to it. But that's not enough. Yes, you must know that Jesus died and has been raised from the dead and that he is Savior and King. Yes, you must know that. Hear it. Know it. Yes, you must believe that that's true. But the saving response where all of the blessing of the resurrection is applied to you, is that you must have a personal trust in Jesus in his death and resurrection. Romans 10.9 tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that's sincerity. That's in the deepest part of you. You turn away from every other thing. You rely on nothing else. You look at Christ, his death and resurrection, and you say, I believe in my heart. I sincerely trust in Christ. The promise is, you will be saved. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, hear the promise, you will be saved. That's what resurrection points us to, to salvation. Salvation for men, women, and children who hear of this credible event. Evidenced by witnesses, this, this, uh, this truth that carries incomparable significance. And this truth is embraced and trusted. So trust in him today. Rely upon Jesus today. Have faith in the risen Christ today and rest assured that you will be saved. Amen? The power of God will raise you from the dead. You say, I'm alive. Yeah, maybe physically, but spiritually you deteriorate and waste away in your sin, your rebellion and rejection of King Jesus. But today Jesus has shown up in a personal way, he's revealed himself to you in the word. He's present with you in the declaration of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. You're turning from your sin. You're turning to Christ in faith, in your heart. You believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be raised from the dead. Spiritually. You'll be raised from the dead. You'll be united to Christ in his death and resurrection. You'll be able to consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So believe. And because you believe, worship him. Worship him. Come to his feet, friend. Grab a hold of his ankle. Hold tight, cling to him, lay in awe 
of his glorious presence, of his finished work, and give him all the praise and glory with your words, your attitudes, with your life. Worship him. Worship the risen Jesus today. And know this, that if you do, you will have an eternal hope that no one can take away from you. The resurrection of Jesus is a credible truth of incomparable significance. Believe in Christ today and live with an eternal hope that no one can take away from you. No circumstance, no liar or deceiver, no voice in your head, no sorrow, no difficulty can take away the hope that you have in Christ that one day the risen Christ that you hear preach today will be the risen Christ that you see with your very eyes. Augustine says faith is believing in what you do not see. And yet the reward of this faith is to see what you believe. Amen? One day you will be raised physically from the dead and you will see the risen Jesus. Your eyes will behold his glory and you will worship and rejoice like the women. Amen? The resurrection of Jesus, a credible truth of incomparable significance. See it, know it, trust in it today and live with an unshakable hope. Amen? Let's pray together. Our Father, we praise you for all that you are and all that you've done in Jesus Christ. We thank you for this clear truth that Jesus died and now is alive. We rejoice in it together. I pray that everybody here would see it, would know it, would trust in it, and have the assurance and the hope that come, the blessings that come with simply trusting and receiving. Lord, if there's anybody here today that has never placed their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, I pray you would draw them now. Open their eyes and ears. If there's anybody here weak in faith, I pray that this, this bold declaration would bolster their, true, their, their faith, that they'd be strengthened. And may all of us be quickened and propelled by this to live a life of worship, clinging to the feet of our Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.